0: Hello, good evening, and welcome along to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. I am not Dov Schiavone, Kevin Pogorzowski. I am your usual regular host, Connor Clancy. And I messed up the intro, but in a slightly different way. I left a noisy app open, but I am back. I'm very, very happy. And I do have Kev Pogorzowski joining me. Kevin, hello. Are you still as drunk as you were whilst messaging me last night?
3: No, I've sobered up considerably today.
0: But are you still drunk? No. Okay, you took a little bit of time to think about that. Hungover, right. maybe
3: that's all right. Is this still a knock-on
0: effect from last weekend?
3: Uh, no, no, no. Um, there's a suitable enough gap for this to be a new uh, drunken weekend.
0: Yeah, but I know you, so it's also close enough to last for it to be a short enough time. Anyway, joining me is the ever-professional Vito Doria. Vito, hello.
4: Hi, Connor. Glad to be back. It was a shame I had to miss out last week after the was it a laptop gate? But uh, it, uh, looks like um, things are back to normal, shall we say? Yeah, I haven't
0: quite built up my um collection of Bruno Alves pictures given the suspension this week, but we're getting there, we're getting there slowly and surely. I've been um doubling up on the Gasparini pictures in the meanwhile, but anyway. Let's get into this. I'm sure you have plenty to be happy about this week, Vito, despite Sampdoria already going on holidays. But we'll get there a little bit later on because we're going to start at the very, very top of Serie A. First place and third place. Yes, third place. Juventus won, Atalanta won. Um I said last week, Kev, that I had Milan as favorites for fourth place. I still think that's true. But is that now because Atalanta are favorites for third place?
3: Yeah, I think probably because I think I'd. Discounted um, Milan last week for a Champions League spot, and I think it's because I've had this this overwhelming certainty that Inter were going to always sort of just retain a, a place in the top four, and that's looking even more um, uncertain as the weeks go on. But um, yeah, it's 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 Milan's looking like they've got a really good shout um, considering their opposition next weekend.
0: Well, given what's happening at Inter, veto is is it more a case of it not just being uncertain but even a little bit unlikely that they'll get top four now because Milan have a quite easy game whereas Inter play Empoli who are flying high at the moment
4: I think Inter can really lose that Champions League spot and it's mostly because of the circumstances that you have mentioned Empoli are in top form now and uh, they're going to be really hungry to get that shock victory against Inter so I think, uh, although Empoli are weaker team on paper, I do fancy their chances. While with Milan, they're facing Spal in Ferrara next week. And uh, Spal, they've lost their last two games. And despite, you know, putting in gallant performances, they don't have much to play for themselves. So I think if we look at the circumstances, Sassuolo, you know, you'd think that they won't do much against Atalanta. So I think it looks like Atalanta and Milan we'll get into the Champions League at Inter's expense.
0: Yeah, well, I said this was, we were starting with Juventus-Atalanta, but then I decided to move it on swiftly. But we'll go back to Juve-Atalanta in a minute, let's talk about Inter then. Because they are, their last few months has been an implosion because, as you said, they were guaranteed top three. It was, Juve had it one, Napoli had second, and Inter had third. And now, they might not get the Champions League, and... That would be yeah. a complete disaster.
3: Yeah, they weren't they weren't playing particularly well. You just got your confidence of them seeing it out because they were just grinding results out, you know. And obviously, Spalletti has got a history of being able to do that with clubs, you know, and maintain that sort of level of success. But I, I also kind of feel a little bad for him when he gets um, sort of all of the criticism for the, you know, because I think. Mean, Mauro Accardi for the way in which he dealt with the situation that has really sort of been the catalyst for this sort of implosion. I think he needs to take some of the um, the responsibility for that as well because there was a there was a clear break within the dressing room of those that kind of were, if you like, supporting the club stance on Accardi and and those that maybe probably wanted him back in the side to lend them a hand um, banging the
0: goals in. Even the fact that this Accardi thing has happened is that itself the fact that it was allowed to happen under Spalletti. Kev, do you think that's a bit of an indictment on his coaching, or is his hands-on management?
3: I'm I'm not sure. I think I think with a, with a personality like Accardi and his importance to the side, you know, because he he is such he is so crucial to to them scoring goals and any success that Inter achieve. You'd almost if the if the if the coach's position was weaker then the club would side with the player, and that even though we've never allowed him to, you know, been stripped of the captaincy or any of that. So, in a way, I think it looks relatively good on Spalletti that whether they came to the decision of the club or whether the club backed his decision that that they were willing to do that.
0: Yeah, fair enough. But um, speaking speaking of Luciano Spalletti, Vito, he's in kind of a funny position because. He's obviously under contract at Inter. He's being paid to get them into the Champions League, but he's being paid to get them into a Champions League and it's pretty certain that he's not going to be there to guide them in the Champions League next season.
4: It is very possible because the rumours of Antonio Conte going to Inter have really intensified in recent weeks. It seems that there is that desire, at least looking from the outside that Spalletti will be gone by the end of the season. And uh, between the performances not being overly convincing and also this Riccardi fiasco, you also got to keep in mind the way Francesco Totti was faced at Roma while Spalletti was the coach. Uh, It's pretty, yeah, it's probably a bit disappointing for Spalletti himself if they do get into the Champions League and he's no longer there, but looks like that the club wants to go in a different direction with the coach and perhaps they don't see much of a long-term future with Spalletti or seeing greater improvements with him as the
3: coach.
0: Yeah, or Kev rather, what do you reckon?
3: Hmm. We do, You do wonder that because um, they were they were fairly passive against Napoli tonight, whether Spalletti thinks that if he, if he gets them out of the Champions League next year that he might have a chance of uh, retaining his job because uh, nobody, you know, The rumours that are circulating is that Conte will only come in um, if there's Champions League football secured. And obviously now you've got the the Max Allegri factor as to Conte's being um, well included in those potential candidates for the Juve job, which I'm not entirely convinced will happen.
0: No? You're not having it?
3: Not sure if they'll go they might see it as going step back again because they want this Champions League. Conte couldn't do it. Allegri's not been able to do it.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Anyway, I'm um, speaking of Napoli um, because they've I think they deserve a bit of credit, you know, because they've nothing left to play for. But they they bloody well took a job or took care of Inter tonight, Vito. There were four. They won four one against Inter, who had everything to play for.
4: Well, it was a great performance from Monopoly. And uh, some of the goals, too, were quite impressive. Uh, Fabian Ruiz, especially his second one, was a pretty good strike. And, uh, yeah, he scored, too. So very impressive for the Spaniard. And he's been one of the revelations. And Zielinski, he produced another blockbuster as well with that long range strike. The one that really puzzled me, though, was the second one by Dries Mertens. He had two players on him. He's the shortest guy on the field. Mind you, one of those defenders was D'Ambrosio, who has his good days and bad days, and he still scored with a header. So, yeah, that's rather
3: bizarre to say the least. Yeah, it was a standard. Miranda was awful on that. Miranda was between Mertens and the ball, and then he ran the other side of Mertens. I only caught the highlights because I chose to watch Juve um, Atlanta, but it was it was the most bizarre piece of defending. And actually, I thought Handanovic could have done better on both the uh, the last two goals.
0: Yeah, it was definitely quite questionable depending to say the absolute least. But ah, come on, give give Handanovic a break. I thought he was quite good tonight. You know, I was. I only saw bits of this um, kind of in the background while I was focusing on. Juve Atalanta but I think Adanovic was quite alright and he's playing behind these defenders who are supposed to protect them and they just didn't do it so what really can he do Lautaro Martinez is someone I want to talk about because I think he's got a lot of talent but he's a lot better when he's got a striker playing with him he's not a number nine I've seen him play a few times at San this season and when he's with a card he he moves a lot better he still is willing to run when he's on his own but he's just not as effective so Vito, I know we've said for years um, that Inter still need that creative player but do they also need to find a direct replacement for Icardi if he does move on this summer because Leitero cannot do that.
4: The scary thing is that out of all the strikers Inter's been linked with, the speculation is suggesting that Dzeko from Roma is the main guy. You've got to consider that Jekko is 33 this year, and, uh, you know, he hasn't got much of a long-term fixture, so I'm wondering if this is more or less just another panic buy on Inter's part. There isn't that balance of looking for, you know, someone in their prime or someone that's got enough experience but still has enough to contribute in the long term. So if they replace Icardi with someone like Jekko, that's probably a move that I'm not too thrilled with. I think they should be more ambitious in that regard and look for someone who's considerably younger to support someone like Martinez. We do have our first live comment coming in the stream. Get involved
0: in the chat, guys. Ask us questions, send us your opinions, whatever you want. Um, it's CM Fox, who we've not heard from for a while, actually. He says, Kiev relegated, Juve kicked out of Europe. Just when I felt the season couldn't get any better, it looks like Inter are going to buckle the top four. I didn't realise he hated Inter. I know he's a, a Hellas Verona fan, so his Kievo biases um, make sense there. But anyway, to the other side of Milan, AC Milan beat Frosinone 2-0. Wasn't always as easy as it perhaps should have been, but pom-pom, Christoph Piontek, Kev broke the deadlock with a uh, classic striker as goal.
3: Yeah, I, I kind of watched this thinking that Milan were going to, blow up tonight and you know get a draw because the first half was fairly unspectacular but um you know he, he did prove that will provide that crucial goal and, and i will talk about it a little bit later but that's exactly the reason Genoa shouldn't have sold him but it, it's it's why milan are in a really good position now to clinch champions league place do you think he is the difference between them being there and them not I think when you're talking about someone obviously who's who's riding high this year, you know whether we'll see whether he has any longevity in his career, but he will have he would have probably got Genoa maybe another at least nine points if he nets crucial goals and if that's what he brings Milan and they, they finish ahead of uh, Inter, you know it maybe even just on joint points in the Champions League places then you know it's money well spent. Yeah, well, Genoa have drawn thirteen
0: times this season. You'd imagine even a couple of those have been turned into wins, and a few of their thirteen or their sixteen losses would have been turned into draws. So I'd agree with you on that. But to Milan, uh Vito, FIF's best friend, Suso scored a beautiful free kick. My favorite type of free kick: close range, off the bar, off the ground, and into the roof of the net.
4: Beautiful. It was a fantastic strike by Suso. And it's just a shame he can't do that stuff more often. Just his inconsistencies are frustrating, even as a neutral. But that's what he can do because the talent is certainly there. And you can uh, question the positioning of uh, the goalkeeper in that situation. But just for the way that free kick swerved, um, it was still a fantastic shot nonetheless.
0: Yeah, it absolutely was. It absolutely was. Someone I want to talk about is um, Patrick Cutrone Because we briefly touched on it when Piontek went to Milan that surely one of them would have to concede minutes. And it, Cutrone is the one who has lost out the most. And Kev, he can't be happy with his role there because he's been on the periphery for a couple of seasons now. That's quite harsh, actually. He's been more involved than a peripheral player. And this season, because of Pianteck's arrival, he's kind of taken a step back. At least when Gonzalo Higuain was there, there was kind of a, a mentor's approach to Couturoni. Whereas now it's two boys directly competing for competition. Is yeah, well, going to be a situation where Couturoni has to leave this summer.
2: It, it
3: might, but towards the end of Higuain's time in Milan, they were they were playing together because Milan was struggling. So it was not. It was. A, decision that Gattuso made I think to try and play two up front and then there was a short period where Petrone and Piontek got plenty of, well I say plenty but they got enough minutes on the pitch for it to be clear that Gattuso was at least experimenting with that option and it might be the case that after a full summer they work on two up top together um, more before next season or You've got the scenario where they've paid money out on Piontek. So maybe you're, 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 and and the form he's been in this season, you're forced to make him your first choice. But they're both the same age. You'd argue that they've both got the similar amount of potential. Um, So it might be that Piontek becomes the peripheral figure if Catrone pushes on and if he's got the desire and the. To do that and to fight for the place, then it might not seem all too bad for him being relatively young.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's a little bit more unlikely though, just because of the fact that they spent money on Piontek. So they'll try and push him that little bit more. Uh, I think it does force your hand a little. mm, Especially currently. But anyway, Milan are fifth on 65 points, Inter are fourth on 66 points, which means Atalanta are third on 66 points due to the fact that they thumped in their 4-1 in Bergamo earlier this season but we'll get back to where we were supposed to start Vito Um, Atalanta drew one all at Juventus and they might feel a little bit hard done by that they didn't get all three points
2: well
4: it seems to be typical of any game involving Juventus even if the underdog takes an early lead or leads for most of the time you just will you just can count on Yulbert to even score near the end of the game. And for quite a while, it seemed like Ilich's goal was going to be the deciding factor of the match. But then Mario Mandzukic came up with uh, his ninth goal of the season and first one in quite some time, considering his first state were more or less in the first half of the season. And it was good to see Mandzukic score. But yeah, definitely disappointing for Atalanta. And I'm sure that would feel it's two points lost because. Those additional two points would have made a world of difference in these circumstances.
0: Absolutely. It's usually nice to see Manzucic score. This
4: time, less so.
0: But it was an emotional day at the Allianz Stadium, Kev. Juventus got their trophy. Cristiano Ronaldo was presented with his Serie A Player of the Season award. And let's talk about that, shall we? Because in what world has Cristiano Ronaldo been the best player in Serie A this season?
3: In the marketing and communications department world, I imagine. <laughs> Is there any other
0: world that involves football?
3: Well, yeah, it's yeah. I I kind of laughed at that when I when I when I saw it announced that he because I, I don't think I saw. I, I certainly didn't see the presentation of the award at the start of the game or anything. But I read that I had given it to him. and I thought there are quite a few more deserving um, individuals. I think he's he's done what was what was expected of him but but no more.
0: This is it. Really. And If you want to define it by it, how much he has impacted his team, you could say he hasn't at all because Juventus won the last seven Scudetti without him anyway and they've just done the same thing. Whereas there are other players who have taken their teams up a fair few places, a few yeah, of them playing up. I
3: suppose that is, yeah. It is a... It is accurate that he hasn't taken Juventus, if you like, on a level, but where else, you know, how, how could he have done that with them winning the league? When I I wrote a piece on Juventus a month or so ago and I actually looked at the, the direct link between him scoring winning goals or assisting and if you just took all that out, you know, Juventus, I think mean, you know, that would have been like 19 um, or 21 points worse off. So he's made... He's made a significant contribution, but when you're playing for Juventus, you can't really make a cont- contribution to Im- Im- improve them that much more.
0: Yeah, I is think. that almost just by default though? Because Paulo Dybala's statistics have gone down considerably. So he's yeah, taken the goals and assists that Dybala would have got
3: previously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. I don't know. I think it's quite frustrating when there for are a
3: financial outlay. You would say it's been disappointing, really.
0: Yeah, I think that's quite. Um, kind of you, to be honest, to use the word disappointing, but there there are players at other clubs who have been really good stories this season and have really stood out and performed way way above expectations who are, for me, more deserving of that even, obviously the team in third place are have a few candidates for that position but even if you go to the likes of Torino, you've got Nkulu there even Armando Izzo, who have really made differences to those teams. But I don't know, it's not going to be. Christoph Biontek, another one. But anyway, that's not how it works anymore. We've got a couple of questions coming in. And ah, it's a nice one, actually, for from regular contributor Filippo Cacamo, who wants to know, Vito, has Cristiano Ronaldo's biggest contribution been bringing the Allegri chapter to a close at Juventus?
4: I think uh, at the moment we can say yes, but maybe with some slight reservations. But I reckon in hindsight or over time we'll probably say it's a definite yes. You look at Cristiano Ronaldo, he's a guy with a winning mentality, but the way Italians interpret what, what is winning and how non-Italians interpret winning is different. Non-Italians want to attack, they want to score as many goals, and do it like that was the Italian way. It's, we're going to avoid uh, conceding and then score when we have the chance. Uh, Allegri is probably more typical of the typical Italian way of thinking, whereas Ronaldo, um, he's not necessarily going to bring his party tricks out all the time, but uh, he wants to be in a team that's always going for it and scoring uh, as many goals as possible. And although you already have scored a lot this season, they've often played like a team in second gear anyway so he's done his bit or what's expected of him but uh, perhaps Juve would be even more intimidating and threatening in all competitions if they probably had a far more proactive mentality and depending on who they hire next season who knows even though Ronaldo is 34 years old he is a fantastic uh, athlete so depending on who's the next coach and how the team's set up, he can still produce high numbers in my view.
0: Yeah, he'll always score goals, won't he? He'll be scoring goals in 10 Mm -hmm. years if he's still playing professional football, crazily. Kev, Allegri is going. Juventus announced it in five years at Juventus. Allegri won five Scudetti, four Coppa Italia, uh, two Supercoppa Italia, but no European success, which seems to be the thing that people are defining his spell with, which... I've been critical of them this season, but to write Allegri off as disappointing at Juventus for me is ridiculous because he steadied a ship and arguably improved the team that Antonio Conte had looking pretty imperious.
3: Yeah, I think I think Allegri's legacy for me was improving on the failings of Conte in Europe. You know, he, he, his first year he got into the... Or my sorry, wasn't it his second year? Anyway, he got into the Champions League final in twenty fifteen. Um and then at the end of that year, he lost uh Pogba Vidal and Pirlo. And then, you know, maintained that level of consistency and domestic success the year after, you know, during a which was which was a fairly big transition for the, the midfield at Juve. And then he got into another uh, Champions League final. I think when you're when you're effectively criticizing someone for falling at the last hurdle, you know, because let's face it, Conte's failings were in the group stage. I mean, it is a little harsh in a knockout, knockout, um, competition, but you know, on the flip side of that, the teams didn't really show up in either of the finals. Um, you, you, you'd argue that against Barcelona, that was absolutely outstanding. Barcelona side with Xavi still pulling his strings whereas they they could have run Madrid a little bit closer in Cardiff two years later. Hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? You're always going to have people who criticise anything, especially when it's a club who are as divisive as Juventus are with their 35 Scudetti as they showed everyone on their little cakes today in the press room ensuring the photos of the number 37 got out there. What a bunch. Anyway, um, I was quite pleased actually that the the Allianz Stadium and those inside it gave Allegri a good send-off this evening. And he seemed quite moved by it as well, which was nice. Another person who was very visibly moved was Andrea Barzagli, because he's played his last game at home for Juventus. He's retiring at the end of the season. He was taken off 15 minutes into the second half. That's his number. And he was crying in Allegri's arms while the match was going on. And Allegri was quite awkwardly hugging him while trying to dish out tactical instructions, which was quite funny. And then the curva demanded them down to them, so he walked around the pitch, shook hands with people, gave a few kisses and hugs, all while the game was going on, which I thought was unbelievable, um, in the best possible way. And even the Atalanta fans were high-fiving him and stuff, which I thought was quite nice. But, Vito, this is Andrea Barzagli, who... For as long as I watch football, I will remember as being part of one of the best defensive units I've seen.
4: He did make a fun. It was part of a fundamental uh, part of that uh, Juventus uh, defense, shall we say? Well, he was one of the members of the BBC with uh, Leonardo Bonucci and Giorgio Chiellini, and uh, it was as far back as 2012 when uh, Antonio Conte. Created that back three and made those three coexist. And he's one of those guys that had an Indian summer to his uh, career because he was seen as a guy that had potential at Palermo but uh, there were certain failings in his game and he was prone to errors. So even though by Euro 2008 he was 27, he still looked like he had some weak spots. Then he went to Wolfsburg, spent some time there in Germany. But He came to Juve when Luigi Doneri was there and it seemed like surely he's wrapping up his career, but it was really a case of the best was yet to come and I think playing at Juventus, he improved defensively. He became more aware more alert and some might argue that his other teammates covered some perceived failings, but I think it just goes to show that in a league like the Serie A, Uh, experience is vital and I think just over time he was part of a sure and sturdy defense and I think he deserves respect for his good performances not just the performances of those around him
0: I don't think there's any doubt that he had his failings but for me this is what made that Juventus back three so beautiful because they all had their little failings that the other complimented um it was really really good because Benucci obviously has his shortcomings whereas Chiellini and Barzelli mopped up for those. Barzelli seemed like the coolest head in that back three. Um, Chiellini the the snidiest and Bonucci the most unpredictable. But I, I've always loved watching him play. And I remember last year, I think it was last season, when Allegri started to use a, a four-man defence rather than the usual back three. And for the last 15 minutes of games, basically, Barzelli would come on. And rather than do the usual where a player comes on and says, okay, we're doing this and this and this now, Barzali would come on, no one would give any instructions and everyone would just know, okay, we know what we're doing now. It's just, I don't know, I just... Oh, there's some. Kev, do you want to give Andrea Barzali some love?
3: Yeah, I just think the fact that out of the three of those Juventus defenders, the fact, it's almost, it's all kind of a backhanded compliment that you you don't praise him too often because you just know you're going to get that level of performance from him and he goes about it with a, just a calm, quiet efficiency. You know, you have your, you have your history, histrionics from Chiellini when he's getting fouled and things and Bonucci playing to the camera when he sort of scores a goal doing his, uh, you know, his quiet um, thing. Whereas, uh, you know, Barzelli just goes about his business and it's uh, probably the, biggest bit of praise you can give him really
0: yeah the most emotional I've ever seen the man was this evening and it was it was quite moving to be honest I'm not going to say I was crying but I was I don't know I felt quite sympathetic towards him anyway the fourth team in that Champions League run in a Roma and they've made life very difficult for themselves by failing to beat Sassuolo at the Mappe Stadium the atmospheric Mape Stadium, I should say. Not really. It's a cesspit. Um, but anyway, they drew nil-nil, And this game could have had goals at either end. The conditions were crazily wet. It's basically November here in Emilia-Romagna this month. I don't know why, but this is how it is. We didn't get winter in winter, so we're getting it now. And Roma probably should have won. They had the better chances. But we're not going to talk about that begin with we're going to talk about alfred duncan because he's amazing and he was racially abused veto you weren't here last week so you can start with this um but the worst thing about it for me this week is that nobody mentioned it and i tweeted it and people were quote tweeting my tweet only to defend lazio which made it even more annoying that it became like a tribal colors thing a club colors thing rather than it just being
2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
4: It's uh, another ongoing saga in Italian football, this inability to deal with uh, racism. And also, yeah, once again, just the Italian football, whether it be the authorities, the media... Or well, even the fans, they're just trying to play it down too often, which is a shame, especially for us outside of Italy. But uh, yeah, sadly, it seems like they're going to continuously turn a blind eye. And we're not blessed with psychic power, so we can't predict when that catalyst for change in Italy is going to happen. Well,
0: being here, it doesn't seem to be coming anytime soon, sadly. But that's not do this again Kev I'm sure you'll agree with me on that but Roma ah, Roma, just when it looked like they were starting to kind of get back on track under Claudio Ranieri they announced that Daniela De Rossi was going to be leaving at the end of the season and the ultras are no longer very happy, well they were never very happy but they were expressing their discontent quite loudly Um, Not just in the direction of people with different skin colours to them. But James Bellotta was branded a pezzo di merda plenty of times before and throughout the game. And Daniela De Rossi was praised as the last emperor of Rome. And he's going to be missed there. And Claudio Ranieri even stuck his boot in at the club. Basically said, for the last game of the season, I want you guys to to show your respect to Daniele because he's a, an amazing professional, amazing guy and he deserves nothing more. After that, do and say whatever you like about whoever you like. And he also said that the club's decision to get rid of the Rossi was ridiculous. He didn't use that word, but it was along those lines. Kev, would you agree with Ranieri's sentiments there given he is still currently employed by the club?
3: Yeah, I mean, Claudio's always been fairly honest when he's given interviews, which people have either- do or don't like. I think the the more you hear about the uh, the De Rossi situation that he, I think he went to the club and said, well, you know, the, why, you know, you didn't even think about like a pay as you play deal. And then apparently they've come back to him and gone, Oh, is that an option? And it's like, well, no, not now, because it's, you know, you've already you've already told me that effectively I'm surplus to requirements. And I think as a fan, you know, of whatever club we follow, there's always moments where I say you're say you're say you're losing a game, but you're you know, putting pressure on. But you don't actually want your side to equalise because it just papers over the cracks. Yeah, I think there's so much that's gone on at Roma this year. You know they wasted lots of chances against Asolo, the but they've had the issue with the poor recruitment strategy over the summer. Um, you've got how they've treated De Rossi. Um, the fans must at this point just be getting to the stage where they think. I don't want to get Champions League because it might actually open a few people's eyes to, you know, deeper, deeper issues that they've got at the club that need um, resolving before they have another crack at even a Scudetto challenge. Yeah, I think
0: the <laughs> Scudetto challenge is a long, long way well, away at the moment. Well, unless these rumours are true that Qatar wants Roma to be their next project, if they come in and pump money in in their sneaky ways, maybe it will. Possible, who knows? in a shirt sponsorship, yeah, or just find other ways to sponsor them, but not under the same name. Um, Vito, we had quite an interesting little setup here because Sassuolo could have won this game too. Roma played, they played with three in the middle, but they didn't really because Zaniolo was wherever he wanted to be, and it was more of a 4 4, and they were exposed at the time, particularly. Alessandro Florenzi and Jeremy Boga had an amazing time against him and Roma played against the Sassuolo team who looked like the team they were at the start of the season they were just lacking goals I want to talk to you about Sassuolo how far away from competing for Europe are they because at the start of the season it looked like it was possible
4: goes to show that a player like Kevin prince Boateng really made a difference to Sassuolo Hey, realistically, he's the type of guy, especially at his age, that he will be able to contribute well for a provincial club. But then, once he went to Barcelona, I think that really that really affected them, and also it put more burden on Domenico Berardi to try and create play and score goals. It's come to the point where I don't think Sassuolo can really rely a lot on Berardi. And last season, they needed Paul to save them from relegation. So next season, depending if De Zerbi stays on as coach, unless a big club coaches him, I think they do need a much better striker than, say, Babaka, Matri or Gianluca Scamaka to sort of really step up and finish off a lot of the passing moves because the way things are now... They do stick to the game, but they really are lacking goals. And uh, what they have now is just not good enough.
0: I'd no agree. Well, Prince will be getting the boot at Barca this summer. So who knows? Maybe he'll hand up back in Reggio Amelia If he has any sense, he won't. But who knows? Anything's possible. He seemed to enjoy his time there. But, Kev, Marcelo Bielsa has been linked with the soon-to-be vacant Roma bench. And just to remind people... Marcelo Bielsa was technically Lazio coach for two days before flying to Rome, getting off the airplane, getting back on an airplane and running as far away as he possibly could from the club. That would make him all the more loved at Roma, wouldn't it? But would it work?
3: I, yeah, I, well, they've, they've got a relatively young team there, which is Bielsa generally... Um, Forms most of his sides because of the energy um young sides but yeah i kind of saw that before coming on air this evening that he'd been linked but i don't i don't know if it's it's really likely that it's up in the air as to whether he's gonna stay at leeds united and i saw some uh leeds united fans clutching at some straws taking pictures of him walking around a volkswagen garage uh in the area at the weekend, so they think if he's shopping for a new car, he's going to stay. Um, That's
0: something that applies to people on normal wages. Um, yeah, he can buy a Volkswagen and take it with them, or buy another one.
3: Yeah, it's. um I don't know. I I, I do get the feeling that he, he'll stay at Leeds one more year, but it'll be interesting to see who's going to. There's going to be a little bit of a merry-go-round, I think. Or you know you were going to have this influx of coaches. I think mean, going to Roma, to Inter, to Juve now it'll be, and possibly Fiorentina. Will Montella stay there? It's like it'll be interesting. I think who's actually in charge of everybody next year?
0: Will Fiorentina even be in Serie A?
3: Oh yes, that, <laughs> uh, too, yeah.
0: that's another question completely. Mm. But Bielsa would be a lot of fun to have in Serie A. So I really really like him. Just to go to one of his press conferences more than anything else. To be honest,
3: I tell you what, he I, I could see him. Walking aside off for racism. You could actually. It's he's not very, a bad joke. He, he's very principled. Which at Roma might. <laughs> well, you could argue that's maybe why he didn't get <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly. <laughs> uh,
0: but anyway, moving on quickly again. We're kind of going down to the other end of the table, but we're easing our way down because Torino were involved in the European race and then they went and played Empoli and got thumped 4 1. Fido. Can you explain what happened
4: here? It's not an easy one to justify because on paper, Torino should have won this game even in Empoli. This goes to show that Empoli have this great desire and also this belief that that can stay up and the momentum they have is rather incredible. The margin is probably the thing that throws me off because – I heard that it's the first time this season Empley has scored four goals in a match. So for them to win as comprehensively as they did is rather surprising. But I think for them, it shows that they're they're really convinced that they can survive relegation. And I believe they truly deserve it simply because they play such fantastic football. They're one of the best teams to watch in Serie A. And I, I would be saddened if they missed out on survival. Because the teams above them, at least two or three of them, do not deserve to be in Serie A.
0: <laughs> there are plenty of yeah, teams yeah. that deserve to be in Serie A down around the bottom yeah. of the table. Um, yeah. someone, has someone has the audio coming back. Fix that, one of you, whoever it is. Anyway, all right. Kev, was this as much of a surprise to you as it was to me? Because I wasn't watching it because I was at the Tardini for Parma Fiorentina and that game had direct implications on mine. So I was half following it through the reactions of the fans, but Empoli are in a very, very good position there.
3: Yeah. I think, I think I was more surprised by the margin of victory, but I I, with Empoli being on the back of two consecutive wins and they're at home and then they've also got Inter next. So there's potentially the mentality to say, we got an extremely tough game next week, away from home. So let's go, try and get three points. Let's leave everything out on the pitch this week, and then if they were to lose next week, let's face it, nobody would really, you know, ex- not expect that, if you like. Um, but yeah, the the, mar- the margin, t- t- Torino just seemed to collapse, and I saw some people on on social media tonight suggesting that the um, the scuffle between Sirigu. Uh, and um, Rincon was played its part, but that was—I'm sure—that was before last weekend's games. There was a video of them being pulled apart at training, and then Rincon came out and said, "Oh, we—you know—we fight all the time, but what happens on the training pitch stays between us. It's a—you know—it's a highly pressurized environment, and and I kind of agree with that. But yeah, I, I don't know. It was just a real—it was just a real strange one for Torino to ship so many goals when they've been so. Um, solid defensively
0: I think it is actually the first time they've conceded four this year as well as it being the first time I've scored four but yeah it's definitely a strange result the game it did impact then was Parma, Fiorentina because this was this was so tense and it was clear beforehand walking to the Tardini that this was a game that meant a little bit more than any of the others this season the last home game second last game of the season and the atmosphere was quite electric before kickoff, which it isn't always at the Tardini. But that electricity kind of faded and faded and faded. And then it was just tense silence. It was quite strange being at a game because when Empoli went ahead, the whole stadium just went silent. And I, I was initially quite confused. Something's terrible. Something terrible has happened in this stadium. And I was looking around and I was oh. Is the other game, and then there was a big roar. So I figured three in a were level, and then with Empoli's ter- second, third, and fourth goal, the place just everyone was on the edge. see it was quite unusual. The eruption when Travelo or Jason headed the ball in was was something special. And I was quite happy for Parma to be honest with you. Living here, knowing people, I've developed not an affection for them, but a soft spot perhaps. Um, and it's it's good to see them sticking around and say, A for another year. But Gervinho was captain today, Vito, which I thought was very, very funny. Am I alone?
4: I don't think he'd be alone. Although I do believe that Gervinho is head and shoulders above the rest of the squad, uh, just the kind of player... And more than anything, just the type of character he is, at least from the outside, he doesn't come across as a guy that's blessed with great leadership. And as I've discussed on, uh, on uh, more so than on previous pods, is that he tries to do too much uh, on his own. So for someone like him who's rather individualistic to be a captain, it's, uh, it's a very odd choice.
0: It was a very odd choice, but he came off and they got better after he came off. He was slow today, which is a sign that you need the season then when Gervinho is being outrun by like Peter Hugo and things like that. That's the one thing he has, his pace, and he didn't have it. But um, Kev Palmer got their win. They're going to be in Serie a next season. And I suppose the logical thing is they'll be looking to take another step forward next year. They've got three straight promotions behind them. Now they've stayed in Serie a. What's next?
3: Well, I think maybe it's a bit early to, to have them looking at the Champions League places. I, mean, <laughs> I think
0: the, it might be a bit early
3: for that. Uh, well, I'm sorry, I should have said European places, but you, you don't want to try to jump too far before sort of cementing your position there. And I think they could probably be happy with another... 42-point season, to be perfectly honest, but they'll probably want to do a little bit better than that. There's still there's still quite a gulf between those sides that are in the European places, but they've got, they've got their experience through your friend Bruno Alves and Javinho, but they're not going to be around forever, so maybe it's some experience on a slightly younger... um, yeah, Maybe bring some youth in if they've got anything in the youth ranks that's um, looking particularly... Um, good.
0: Um, something you said that was factually incorrect, Gav. Bruno Alves mm. will be around forever.
3: oh okay. Um, I didn't realize he's one of the undead.
0: Yeah, no. I I thought that was quite clear to everyone. No, I mean a look at the man.
3: But anyway, he I, I, could I, be cast as uh, a Dracula type character <laughs> in a in a movie. What are you
0: saying about his physical appearance?
3: Well, you know, like sl- I, you know, I always put Dracula in, like slicked. Dark hair, yeah, you know, lurking in the shadows, uh, staring eyes. Did you did you get to touch him or anything while he was off the pitch this weekend? You didn't pass. <laughs> Do him you know
0: what? I was looking for him because usually the injured players or the suspended players sit right beside the press box.
3: Oh, I imagine your knees were quivering.
0: I I wasn't far from it. I was walking. I walked past that spot. A lot more than I usually do, just looking for Bruno Alves, and I was going to like give him a little pat on the back or something.
3: Desperation is never a good look.
0: <laughs> for Bruno, Kev, I'm willing to look a little bit foolish, but okay. Sadly, I, I'm not sure he was there, you know, because he's not someone you'd miss.
3: Those um, flowers went to waste, didn't they?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't let my secret out, Kev. Come on. That's something I told you off-air for a reason. But the other side of this, it's no laughing matter, Vito Doria, because Fiorentina are in a lot of trouble, and they could get relegated. If if they lose to Genoa and Empoli beat Inter, Fiorentina are going to Serie B.
4: It's a scary possibility. And uh, the thing is that with Fiorentina, they seem to be going okay, then... Then after the the defeat, there were those there was a statement about Pioli from the club. Then he resigned until he returned. And yeah, then we've got all these protests about the ownership situation. So on the field and off the field, it's not looking really good for the Viola. And I think it'd be a great shame if they got relegated because they do have some good players, although the midfield is rubbish, but um, <laughs> I don't think they're the worst team to be going down. I don't think they're anywhere near Frosinone and Chievo. They should be doing a lot better than what they really are.
3: And they haven't like, won since February.
0: No, they're. Uh, yeah. But you're both right because they're awful, but they shouldn't be. They've got one of Europe's best attacking players in Federico Chiesa, another one who could be very, very good in Giovanni Simeone. And they're
3: terrible. But that's but Chiesa's, and The more one well, more I've watched him in recent weeks, he's becoming part of the problem, because he's 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 clearly aware of his talent and how much talent he has over his other players, and he's trying to do too much.
0: But he passes to Simeone, and he can't score.
3: Well, that's
0: true. Struggling. There's no one else that can do anything in that team. There
3: was one chance against Palmer where he just drilled it. He was clearly shooting. Oh, Simeone was fuming yeah. about yeah, that. He should, have, he should have laid that off.
0: Yeah, because Simeone came quite close to getting it by sliding into the back post. And then I for about two or three minutes afterwards, Simeone was like ripping into him from across the pitch. And eventually, Chiesa held a, an apologetic hand up and Simeone basically gestured for him to put it somewhere. But... Yeah, Simeone's not someone you want to annoy, especially with his dad lurking as well. Come on. But no, I think you're absolutely right. Chiesa is aware of his ability, and he probably won't be there next year. If they go to Serie B, there's no way he'll be there next year.
3: But Yeah, and they'll, they'll probably lose a good 15, 20 million off his resale value. Yeah,
0: how likely is it that they actually go down, Kev? Because there, there is one game left.
3: and Because they're at home to Genoa, I see them drawing. I, I, I don't so for whatever reason, just um, feeling I have. I, I I see them getting a point, um. But I, you know, because just Jenna aren't aren't great either, are they? You, you know, well, if Jenna had, had Piontek still. You'd see them going to to Florence and 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 picking up three points. Oh, absolutely. Because um... they'd be clinical and Fiorentina wouldn't.
0: I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to be at Spa-Milan next week, but the fixtures aren't announced yet, so I'm hoping I can get to Florence as well because it will be. it's going to be quite interesting there regardless of what happens. But yeah, I don't know. Any final thoughts on Fiorentina? No. All right, Kev, let's go get a beer. Vito, um, general one, Cagliari one. The Griffone are the team who currently occupy the third and final relegation spot. Can you wipe that smile off your face long enough for long enough to speak?
4: It's going to be a challenge because they are in the relegation zone. And uh, look, we were saying earlier, Empley have great momentum, but uh, Genoa in the second half of the season, they are, they've they really collapsed with that Piontek. And in this game against Cagliari, they did have a lot of possession, but they were very wasteful and they needed Krishito to... Score with a penalty, so this Fiorentina Genoa game coming up, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a new nil draw because both teams don't know how to score. Cav, you teams- want to take it from here?
3: I'm going to nip off for a bit. Oh no, just the, the, <laughs> the, the, the beauty of video that I can see Vito smiling at you, his smile ever increasing as he's doing his roundup <laughs> of the game. And you know, he touched on it, it's yeah, you know, it's, it's PSP it's that decision. To, to let him go is just unbelievable. I know Sanabria came in and scored some goals for a little for a little bit, but why they didn't just allow Milan to sign him and then loan him back for the for the remainder of the season is it, just beyond me.
0: Seems strange, doesn't it? It really does. The more you think about it, the more you think just just hang on, give him until well, the end of the season. But I guess they they risk losing a lot of money then.
3: Well, yeah, unlike Fiorentina that would lose a significant amount on Chiesa, they got the full value for Piontek when he was at his, at his highest, I suppose.
0: Yeah, whoever does go down will feel harsh done by compared to last season because Genoa already have more points than um, the relegated teams did last year. So I don't know. But last year was particularly bad, to be fair. Vito, have you anything else to say
4: about Genoa? Um, that's probably about it, to be honest. Well, Anything well, broadcastable. Okay. Well, within uh, no, without using any profanities, a few Sampdoria fan pages on Instagram did bring up the 2011 relegation and how Genoa fans celebrated that. So I think this time, our time has come. And although I won't be there in the next few weeks, I will be there in October. So I'll be there for some very late celebrations.
0: Tell if us, Vito, the- you've never mentioned it before. How did they celebrate that relegation?
4: Well, one of the main streets in the centre of the historical centre or Centro storico, was that they got a coffin and they draped that coffin with a Sampdoria flag and through, through the Centro Storico, there's a street called uh, the Via 20 Settembre or 20th of September Street, and that street name is common throughout most Italian cities anyway because that's when Rome became part of Italy again in nineteen seventy. Anyway, down the Genoa one, they the Genoa fans went down that, they did their chanting and stuff and went to the main piazza in Genoa called the Piazza de Ferrari where there's a big fountain. So Beautiful piazza. Just to, oh, yeah, it is. It is is beautiful. And, yeah, they congregated there and they did that to celebrate our failure because they haven't won a Scudetto since 1924, so they haven't got successes of their own to celebrate. So they celebrated our downfall. And this time, um, look, we haven't been successful since the 90s, so now it's our turn to show them to see what it's like. Yes,
0: Vito. It's been about a year since you got to Unleash on Genoa, but there you go. Are you happy? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I have a feeling that your flights, you've got booked for October. If Genoa get relegated, I imagine I'll be seeing you in about eight days' time. I'll bump into Mm. you somewhere, wandering around Emilia-Romagna, having trotted through the mountains between here Mm. and Liguria, and you'll just be in Mm. bits but so, so pleased.
4: Oh yeah. Well, probably October. That's when I'm going to be in Italy, and I'll probably be mostly in the north. So unfortunately, I won't be in the central and the southern parts. But I'm here. Mo- I'll be there mostly for the culture, and yeah, I'm hoping to actually go to some Doria games in person. And I'll also be there for Italy Greece the Euro. 2020 qualifier so hopefully watching some games in person be a great experience
0: yeah nice one well if you're in parma you've always got a place to stay and i'm sure dov will lend his couch to you in milan too but um what else have we got Udinese three Spal two Udinese, uh, it's a good win for them kev
3: yeah i, I found something particularly amusing about this there's um when Spo get their second goal, there's a if you catch the highlights, there's a there's a ball boy behind the goal who instantly sort of puts his head head his head in his hands. Uh-huh. He's like, Oh no, we're gonna what are we gonna do? We're gonna bring we're gonna we're gonna toss this away. And I mean everyone probably in the stadium probably fought it for a moment, but it was just the look on this lad. He must have been about fourteen, you know, thirteen, fourteen years old. And even he didn't trust that they'd be able to um, keep hold of their lead. But it was a it was a it was a good win. The you know, the goals came uh, all through headers which were just appallingly defended by Spau. Um, you know, we had a little bit of culture from Patania dropping a shoulder and sending a couple of defenders uh, the wrong way. He's
0: a baller, Kev. He'll do that for you.
3: Apparently so. I didn't realise he had it in him.
0: No one listened to me for the last three years. It's fine. I'm used to it now. Um Nick Nicholas Carroll. It's a familiar name. I'm not quite sure why. But he's popped up in the comments. I've tuned in purely to hear Vito take Genoa down. Well, Nick, it's good to see you now. Um, You've got exactly what you tuned in for. Vito, you've made Nick's day down in Australia. So I'm glad. That it yes. seemed, you seem as pleased as I'm picturing Nick being, which is fantastic. And Alex, <laughs> says that, um, Alex says that Empoli will beat Inter and Vito will have his glory. So he's obviously predicting that Laviola will stay up. And the Griffona will be in Serie B next season. But Vito is currently dancing, Nick. I'm not sure if you can see that, but there uh, you go. There. Um, yeah, I, I wish that was on the main camera, actually. But oh well. Vito, if Genoa get relegated, will
3: you dance on camera? He could do it when he's over. We can get him dancing next season. Too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dancing I'll do that. Sorry, the uh, <laughs> I've got sing
4: Hallelujah by Doctor Albin in my head.
0: <laughs> Vito, save it, because you might look very, very foolish in a week's time. I'm trying to save oh, good you. Point. Um, good point. anyway. More emotions. Kiev on Nil Santorianil. Ciao big Sergio Policier. Kev. He's actually leaving us.
3: He is, after a near twenty year spell. I know there would have been a tear in Dov's eye. It, it it was you know I kind of you he's just been around forever or it certainly seems as though he's been around forever, and when you actually look at his career and you think that he got an he got an a, a Italian national cap while well, he was at Chievo, you know and, and their success that they had, um albeit briefly, you, you really got to sort of take your hat off to the man, because he probably could have jumped ship um there's been probably a few instances of players that you know like Di Natale that could have gone elsewhere even if it was for a short time and he, you know they, they showed that they didn't he would probably not have the quality to have stuck around a, a bigger club but he probably was informed enough to get a move to a, a larger Italian club and ended up staying with Chievo
0: yeah well you say it feels like he's been around forever he started his playing career in 1996. So, given I was born in the last month of 1993, he effectively has been around playing football for my entire life. And now, at 40 years old, he's he's hanging up his boots, which is it's an emotional time. He's only five foot nine, Kev. I thought no, he was I noticed
3: big. that when I was looking at his numbers.
0: I thought he was a he's called Big Surge.
3: Yeah, well, he's really. smaller than me he's one of those he's one of those chaps I suppose that his character almost gives him that that extra that extra inch that extra foot
0: mm. I would say anyway I think we're done are we done? yeah Bologna tomorrow isn't it? yeah Bologna Lazio tomorrow and there's another game that I didn't even bother to mention um I think no I think we have them all no we did do them all We got them all. Okay, perfect. Fine. Um, Remember, everybody, go over to ForzaItalianFootball.com not only to read our things from hashtag FIF at the games, inside the stadiums, inside Italy, all over the place, but also because we have the FIF awards this week. We've got player of the season... Vote for Papa Gomez. We've got team of the season. Vote for Atalanta. We've got coach of the season. Vote for Giampiero Gasparini. We've got goal of the season, where you should probably vote for Fabio Gagliarella. Signing of the season. Bruno Alves. Worst signing of the season. Kev, who's the worst signing of the season? Robin Olsen. Century. Exactly correct. Uh, Loser of the season. I went for Maro Icardi. You can go through wherever you like. Veteran of the
4: season. What? Oh, Loser of the season. I went for Preziosi.
0: Ah, oh, okay, fair shout, fair shout. Uh, veteran player of the season, I'll go for Bruno Alves. Vito, you're obviously going for Qualiarella. Kev, who are you going for?
3: A Veteran, uh, Qualiarella. Yeah, the good man. Whoa, hang on. Of the season. You
0: hate Fabio Qualiarella.
3: I don't hate. I hate. Young
0: player of the season, I've gone for <laughs> Nicolo Barella. Kev, you said the same. Vito, yeah. who are you going for? I'm
4: going for his name, Zaniolo.
0: Nice one. And lastly, the Marco Materazzi Award for Greatness. There are two candidates. I'm not going to say who they are. Go over to the website to see. Um, It's always the same winner, basically. But (laughs) anyway, there are two different candidates, I should specify, with a little asterisk beside that. Head over to 4 for all of our match coverage, serial news, opinions, end of season stuff, which we've got a bucket load of coming your way. Um, each of the three of us will be doing a fair bit as well so thank you to YouTube for helping me out with all of that and we will be back with another FIF pod next week and then there will also be a end of season review pod too but I'm not sure if that's going to be the same group it might be some of us and some of the usual bonus podders but who knows We'll, we'll see when it comes any final words Kev?
3: Uh, No, I don't think so.
0: No?
4: Okay.
3: Speak to you next week. You will.
0: Thank you, Vito. Any final words?
4: You're welcome, Connor. Just a very quick one. I'm a big Gianpaolo Pazzini fan after his time at Sampdoria and Verona bet Perugia 4-1 in extra time in the Serie B playoffs and he got two goals, so happy with that and happy for him.
0: Excellent, nice stuff, and he'll be doing the the Patzo eyes in Serie A next season again, possibly. I don't want Verona back up for a number of reasons, but we won't get into them. Um, I guess the last thing I have to say is, Atalanta have already qualified for Europe next season for the third year in a row. And a genius, anyway. Goodbye.
3: Bye. Ciao, ciao.
5: No gol, sempre gol, del campionato sulla gloria, ottafarba, otta Parma, questo è il grido di battaglia, ottaparma, otta Parma, con i gol, sempre gol, siamo tifosi e contro le bandiere, accompagniamo la squadra del cuore. Grido, oh Parma, se forte! batteremo le squadre avversarie, ma nessuno li potrà fermare, sono forti e sanno lottare, fanno gol, sempre gol, del campionato sol la gloria. Porta Parma, Porta Parma! Puesto el grito de batalla con la